everybody, uh, Greg Murphy here, and I am with Nathan Wallace, who is a neuroscience educator. I'm going to find out what that is very shortly. Uh, and we are here today because we are going to have a discussion and talk about driving and the brain. Uh, first up, uh, a little bit about me and why I'm here. Uh, many, many years spent a career as a, as a racing car driver. Um, you know, love driving, have a huge amount of knowledge around, obviously driving what makes a good driver, all those kinds of things, but also got a, a very strong desire to improve awareness out there on our roads and improve road safety and make it safer for everybody. Um, we don't do a very good job of that here in New Zealand and there's, uh, I mean, there's so much research and there's a lot of understanding that we all need to sort of know about um, why we do what we do, why we make the mistakes we do, why we look at driving the way we do, all those kinds of things. And that's mm. a little bit about why I'm here with Nathan today, well it is why I'm here with Nathan today, to, to go through that and talk about that from understanding the brain a little bit better. So yep. Nathan, over to you, tell us a bit about yourself and, um, and tell us what a neuroscience educator is, please. Well, after all that race car driving, it's not going to sound as exciting. <laughs> but, um, you know, like a neuroscience is just a flash academic word for the brain. So it's just about how your brain works. So I've been a lecturer at Canterbury University. I was there for about 15 years. And um, lecturing in human development, which looks at all different aspects of how you develop, but specifically the brain and cognitive neuroscience. So now I'm just sort of a consultant that works with things like this and works with mm. parents and lots of different groups, really to dig behind exactly what you said. You know, what is the brain's piece in this when we understand something like driving what's happening in the brain when you're driving what's happening in the brain when you're distracted or yeah, yeah. And, and have you um done any work uh and applied that understanding your knowledge and and all that experience into the the driving side of things before or is this sort of the first time you've sort of looked into I've that worked a little bit with people that have done driver education but they've been looking mainly from the teenage brain perspective yep. of how the, the brains you know wired quite differently in adolescence so now i'm pretty new pretty yeah. pretty new to this to applying it to this but you have actually had an experience around um, that with uh, one of your whanau um, who... Yeah, yeah, personal stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, inter yeah my brother-in-law was a truck driver who was killed, you know, um, because he fell asleep. You know, and that's connected to shift work and stuff and other yeah. more complex issues. But, yeah, so we yeah, bring that that very, um, you know, very real understanding of the ramifications of that. Um, you know, that was more than 20 years ago. But you can still see the ramifications of that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm sure that was incredibly challenging. Um, and it is for many people still, you know, yeah. every day yeah. dealing with those kinds of things. Um, there's many different parts of the brain. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm far from an expert, but I understand a little bit about yep. uh, f uh, the frontal lobe and, and risk, uh, you know, assessment, yep. all that kind of stuff That's when right, it comes yep. to young drivers. So mm -hmm. give us a bit of a breakdown on, on uh, what's inside yeah. the skulls of ours. Yeah, that, that one you're talking about with young drivers is really brain number four. So you've got essentially four brains inside your head. But obviously they'll come together as one brain, right? But we can just easily divide them into four. And um, the brain number one, down the base of your neck, is the brain stem, it's your survival brain. Then brain number two, the bulge bit at the back of your head. When I train elite sports people, they often call this a sports brain because it is your centre of movement and coordination. So brain number one, survival. Brain number two, movement. Um, if that's all you've got, you're a reptile. It's a reptilian brain. You know, like a pet lizard, you know, it's got survival and movement and that's it. To have brain number three, which is all the structures in the very centre of your brain. You'd have to open up your brain to see the inside of it. That's the, it's often called the mammal brain, because you have to be a mammal to have that brain. You know, um, it's where your emotions come from, so that your feelings and, yeah. So one's survival, two's uh, movement, three is emotion. And then human beings, we're survival, movement, emotion, and then this coveted brain number four, um, thinking and learning. It's essentially, you know, you would have worked out from that. Your dog has brains one, two, and three. So brain number four is all the stuff you can do the dog can't do. So it's all of our higher intellect, uh, 
controls our motor, you know, motor skills come from brain number two, but controlling those motor skills comes from brain number four. It's all of your higher executive function. Now that doesn't really fully develop. I mean, we say mid to late 20s, yeah. but that's an average. It can be anywhere from 18 to 32 is normal. Yeah, so right. for, like, for instance, if you're like me, you're a guy. I mean, guys' brains come online slightly slower than females. You might be surprised to find out. Um, so, I don't think women would be surprised. Uh, no, no. Um, so the typical range for a man is 22 to 32. But to be at the 22 end, you've probably got to be the firstborn child in your family. So you didn't have to share your parent in the first year. Their brains grow faster. But if you're like me, you're a guy who's not the firstborn, you probably don't reach adult up with those frontal lobes until you're 32. Oh, wow. Yeah. Explains a lot. If I think back, and I think about when I was uh, 16, 17, yeah. 18, yeah. Uh, got my driver's license, mm -hmm. you know, God's gift to driving. Yeah, yeah. Raced carts since I was eight years old, you know. Yeah, yeah. What don't I know? about mm -hmm. driving you know and but i i know from experience and know from having a car crash when i was 18 years 19 years old okay. um that i you know i look back on that now and it was the fact that i never i just didn't perceive the risk yeah. involved in the things i was doing yep. i can look back honestly and i'm sure most a lot of mm -hmm. men a lot of young yep. men yep. um can look back on something if it's driving or some other yeah. uh, form that they were doing yeah but there was there was just no perceived risk on on mm. some of the crazy yep. stuff that I did, and that's exactly that absence of a frontal cortex. It, it puts the brakes on it. You know, it's very different. Like you know, going bungee jumping when you're 18, you can leap off the cliff. Try bungee jumping when you're 40, and your legs won't let you go off the cliff because now you've got a frontal cortex that says no, you shouldn't do that. That's bad. You don't have that in adolescence. So in adolescence, you can leap off the cliff, and most adolescents think they're expert drivers. You see that you know under 25 year olds have the most accidents. You see how an under 25 year old drives when he's showing how confident he is. He only indicates one second before turning the corner, or he decides he doesn't need to indicate because he's assessed that no one's coming. Like they actually break a lot of the rules trying to show their superior driving skills. And it's really just the adolescent brain. They all think they're superior, but they're driving in an inferior way, and the stats show they have way more accidents. But it's very hard to convince a young person, I mean, like you were saying, that they're not, oh, no, I'm a really good driver, I'm an excellent driver. Yeah. There's, a, there's a kudos, you know, and, and thinking that. So and which, so which part is then the bit that where you, where you, where you don't actually have, um, again, uh, any sort of care for other people around yeah. you when you're doing those things? Yeah, well, again, it's the frontal cortex, because that frontal cortex, the um, yeah, brain number four, that regulates your emotions and regulates your behaviour, it also ties you, it has empathy for other people yeah, and yeah. ties in with other people. It also thinks about consequences realistically. So your adult brain, when you think, oh, I'm going to, um, oh, I've got a little bit of room left to overtake, I'm sure, you know, I might be able to make it, I think I'll just be able to make it, your adult brain goes, mm, it's not worth the risk, really. got kids to look after, you know, staying in hospital for a long time, I'll just hold back. The, um, the younger person's less likely to think of those consequences, so they, are, so they think they're more bulletproof. They're, oh, no, I can make it. The competitive aspect is there much stronger, yep. because that's coming from that limbic emotional brain where all the emotions come from, and they just don't have that frontal cortex yet. And like we're saying, a lot of them don't have it till they're 32, um, to actually realistically assess that risk. Mm. Mm. Yeah, It's just one of those weird things that we wait until that, I mean, adolescence is about that frontal cortex is shut for renovations. Yes, so, so we wait. That before. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So halfway through its development, it shuts for renovations. So teenagers go backwards in controlling their emotions and thinking of consequences. It's just a weird thing that we built up a society that decided to wait until your frontal cortex is shut. That's the part that's going to have empathy for other people, understand consequences. It's essentially the part that makes you a safe driver. We wait until that's shut for renovations, and then we give them a license. And that's just because you know we've been doing that for much longer than we've had brain scans. Yeah. You know?
and the knowledge we've got more and more knowledge now yeah. but we're just not we've, we don't want to change and alter the way yeah. we've been doing it and it's become accepted yeah. and yeah. and and try to get that uh, that change through everybody in agreement, all that kind of stuff, people just don't, we don't want to have it to It takes multiple generations, doesn't yeah, it? You yeah. know? For the longest time, we thought you had an adult brain at the age of 10 to 12. So for most most oh, wow. people, have, you know, because they didn't have brain scans, they just had tape measures. And your brain doesn't, your skull doesn't grow after the age of 12. So we've always assumed that you had an adult brain at 12 and that adolescence was like psychological changes. Um, so it's relatively new information to find out that this teenage brain, these frontal lobes aren't online, that they, that's why they don't regulate behaviour and stuff. It's and developing for so, so much longer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. not that our generation is taking longer, it's, it's always been that way. Yeah, we just didn't have yeah. the, the tools to measure it.